be in the house of God. Don't you love coming to the house of the Lord? I really, I enjoy church. I don't know why I just do. And you come to the house of the Lord and you can just be tired sometimes or maybe going through a rough week or whatever is going on. And you can come into the house of the Lord and then the presence of God starts moving and the spirit of God is there and the worship and everything. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but it comes on your, you know, everything's okay. Everything's going to be all right. The Lord is here. God is with us. And it's just wonderful to feel his presence. Praise God. Amen. I know you feel the same way. We are, have been studying uh, the prophecies of Jesus' earthly ministry. And then we got into the part about uh, the signs of the, of the end time, which is the 24th chapter of Matthew, 21st chapter of Luke, 13th chapter of Mark. Uh, John does not record these events as the other three gospel writers did. And uh, so we've gone back and forth a little bit from Matthew to especially for Luke, because Mark pretty well covers is more is is less less verbal, I should say, is less verbal than what Matthew is. So Matthew pretty well covers whatever Mark has covered, except for a few rare things. But uh, I want you to turn with me to Matthew twenty four twelve here this morning, and I want to go not so much with the signs of the end time, but with the Sins, S-I-N-S, not S-I-G-N-S, signs, not but sins, the sins of the end time. And I want to talk to us here today about the sins of the day and age in which we are living and what we are looking at and what is in the world today, what's happening, and so forth, so that we can be aware of why things are developing the way they are. I am appalled sometimes at seeing the uh, abrased attitude that some people have toward God, toward the Bible, toward Christ. And uh, I look at that and I know why. I know why. And it's the sins of the end time. And so I want you to follow me very closely. I've got some good things to give you here. And, tr- and hopefully I can give it, get it to you all. Not all of it, but I can get a lot of it to you here. Maybe... We can finish up next week on what we don't get to you. But if you look in uh, chapter 24 and uh, and then verse uh, 12, it says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. This is 11 I'm reading. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound. I want you to look at that phrase very quickly. Iniquity, iniquity shall abound. Now the Bible speaks about sin and iniquity. I want to try to give you the difference between the two today. The sin and iniquity. Talks about sin and iniquity. And it says iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. And uh, then finally down to verse 14. I'm going to read this again. We read it to you before. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, for a witness, and then shall the end come, and uh, iniquity shall abound in the last days. So I want to talk to you about this sin of iniquity because uh, iniquity is the sin of our day. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, over to the, uh, to the book of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is, uh, I'm reading verse 7 here. 
And this is speaking actually of the Antichrist and his day and his time, which is not yet come upon the earth, but is coming. It's coming. And I'm going to give you some give you some things today that will maybe help you to understand why the world is going in the direction it's going and how the Bible has prophesied so much of it. Verse seven, I'm going to just read this one verse for the mystery of iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This is in reference to the church. In other words, when the church is taken out, then the Antichrist will be revealed. And then he goes on to say here, uh, that verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed. The word wicked, if you'll notice, is capital, capital W, which means it is a proper noun, proper, and a noun is a person, place, or thing. In this case, it's a person. And uh, it's a capital letter referring to a specific person. So let me read it like this, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, the church. And then when he's raptured away or taken out, verse 8, then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And of course, Paul is referring here to many other scriptures, especially in Daniel. Jesus also referred to the Antichrist. Now, I'm not talking so much about the Antichrist as the spirit of iniquity that shall abound in the world and, and, and so forth. Uh, I want you to look also in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. And I'll show you something here that's very interesting. 7-1 of 2 Corinthians. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Now notice here that the Lord expects us to work on this. Let us. Some people say, well, if God wants me to be holy or clean, he'll make me holy, he'll make me clean. I know that we, we can do nothing without the spirit of God. And I know God's spirit cleanses us. I know that. But we have to put forth the effort. And then we have to put forth, do what we can do. And he says, having therefore these promises, dear beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Filthiness of the flesh. I mean, that's, that's taking care of a lot of things. You put a lot of things out of your life. And uh, we don't be, need to be carrying around a bunch of stuff and doing a bunch of stuff, you know. But put things out of your life. Some places we just don't go. Some things we just don't do. Some things we just don't say. Praise the Lord. Some words we just don't use. You know, that's because we're Christians. And we put those things out of our lives. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't drink booze. Don't take drugs. I mean, the list can go on and on. Don't look at pornography. You just don't do it, okay? Put these things out of your life. And so he says here, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So there is a cleansing of the spirit as well. Something we have to get out of our heart, out of our minds, out of our thoughts. And we have to have the Lord's help in these things. So let us cleanse ourselves from all flesh and spirit. I want to talk to you about this spirit of iniquity that is prevailing in the world today and what it is, where it came from, and how it has come upon the human race it is today. It's going to be the sin of the end time. That sin, that spirit of iniquity. Let me show you here what it is. I want you to turn with me over here to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. 
And what I'm going to read to you here is the sin of Satan. The sin of Satan. Satan's sin. What made Satan get kicked out of heaven? What happened to Satan? And I'm going to show you here. And the same sin of Satan is now going forth in the world. I'm going to connect a lot of dots here by the help of the Lord this morning. So he says here, 28, 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, I'm here in verse 12 now of Ezekiel 28, 11 and verse 12 now. He says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Everybody see that king of Tyrus? Now, hold your place there. And I'm going to drop back over to the, the first verse. I mean, the second verse in 28. I'm saving, just saving time reading here. Second verse where it says 28 two. son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, the prince. Now he says, I want you to say unto Tyrus was a city off the coast of, uh, of the, uh, in the, in the Mediterranean Sea on the East coast there along about where Lebanon is today along that area. It says, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, thus saith the Lord, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. And then he says here, yet thou art a man and not God. Everybody see that? That's the prince. Now, when you get down into verse uh, 12, it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. King of Tyrus. Now, let's see who he is. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thy seal is up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, Thou hast been in the Eden, the garden of God. So we're not talking about a man here. We're talking about a spirit. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Everybody got that? Not born, but created. This is talking about the king of Tyre. In other words, Tyre's had a ruler over it that was a man. And he thought he was the biggest thing in the world. He thought he was next to God. He's like God. But there was a spirit behind all of that. And that spirit was in him, motivating him to do that and be that way and act that way. So he goes on to say here what the spirit behind it was, the king as it was called here. And it says here that in the day that that was created, verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub. Wow, look at that. That covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Till. Everybody say till. That means until. Till iniquity was found in thee. And this is talking about the devil. The devil was in the Garden of Eden, as you well know. And so this is the spirit. God made Satan, and he made him a beautiful angel. He made him to be uh, lifted up. He made him to be uh, a great angel, a cherub. He created him like that. He was not born, he was created. 
And then iniquity was found in him. Iniquity. Now, let me read a little further. Verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled thee with the uh, midst of thee with violence and thou sin. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. The multitude of thine iniquities. Now this is speaking of the devil. This is where the devil was. And this was his sin. The devil didn't smoke cigarettes. He didn't chew tobacco and spit tobacco juice all around the throne of heaven. That wasn't what he was doing. But something got in his heart. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be next to God. And so God saw this in his heart and when it had developed and he was able to actually cause a revolt in heaven with one third of the angels. And this is all Bible and we won't take time to go into it. And the Lord kicked them all out. This is where the devil and all the imps of hell came from. These are, these are where they are. They're evil spirits. Jesus knew all about that when he was on earth. That's why he could cast out devils. They, all, they knew who he was. He knew who they were, you know. He asked, he said, what's thy name? He said, legion. He said, you speak correctly because there are legions of you in this particular man. Let me go on a little further, not get into that. But I'm just showing you here that these were the sins of Satan and uh, the things that, uh, that he was guilty of. I'm going to turn also to Isaiah 14, 12. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the word be established. 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So you see the development of the sin of iniquity that was in him. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now, what I'm showing you here was the sin, sin of Satan. It was that of iniquity. And iniquity is rebellion against God. Now, let me just talk to you for a few minutes here. There are some things that, that Satan fights all the time. And we as Christians have to be aware of it. Number one, he fights family. He fights family. You know why? God ordained family. In the beginning, he ordained man, male, female, made man and wife to be a family. And uh, Satan will fight the family because it's God ordained, God established in the earth. He fights families. That's why that he, troubles in families develop. I'm going to show you some things how that ideas and philosophies and theories of today have sprung off of this, this iniquity concept. That family is not important, but it is vitally important. God established family. He did. Adam and Eve was the first. And uh, some people say, oh, well, it all, it all evolved, evolved. So no, no, the Lord said in the beginning there was male and female. God put them together. Amen. He gave men, then he made, gave them a wife. And from that time on, that men married women and they had families and so forth. And the world's populated from that. And he said, go, you know, all the world, you don't populate the world and so forth. So this, this was all a thing 
that all developed in those days. And God wants us to know that this is very important to him. Now, uh, the Bible tells us that in these last days, there will come efforts that will try to do away with the family. The second thing is the church. God established the church in the New Testament. Praise the Lord. He established the church. And the church is the body of Christ. The Lord established the church. And Satan will fight the church. He will fight the church. He'll try to keep you from going to church. That is to the house of God. He says, neglect not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, seeing the day approaching. Never neglect going to church. Fight to go to church. You can have company that will spring up on you and show up on Sunday morning. You say, look, we're on our way to church. Make yourself at home. Amen. Food in the refrigerator. TV's over there if you got one. And just say, help yourself. And we're on our way to church. Or Sunday night. Sunday night. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And how can we hear lest he be sent? How can he act? How can we receive faith unless he preached? And how can he preach unless he be sent? So faith comes by hearing. When this man gets in a pulpit and preaches to us, amen, there is faith that's renewed in our hearts. It is. I mean, we feel it many times. You can come to church just dragging. I mean, I mean the roughest week you've had in all your life. You just say, boy, I'm just lucky to be here. Come in that back door. And I, this has happened to me way years ago when I was single. I mean, I, mean, I wasn't a minister yet. And I come in the back and just flop down and everything in the world's going bad, everything's going wrong. And I thank God, I just barely made it here today and don't expect much out of me. And that preacher start preaching and the word of God would start coming to my heart. And I said, he's talking to me. And I would say, thank you, Jesus. And the next thing I know, I'm beginning to worship God. And the next thing I know, I'm feeling the presence of God. And the next thing you know, I'm down front here, praising God, walking around and said, Lord, you haven't forgotten me. You haven't forgotten my zip code. You still know where I am. And that happens to all of us. Praise the Lord. So the house of God is very important. This book is very important. This old Bible here. It's the word of God. You want God to talk to you? Start reading the Bible. You don't know where to start? Just start with Psalms. Start Psalms 1-1. Start Psalms 101-1. It doesn't matter. Start with Psalms 119-1. That's the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, 119. Anyhow, it's, uh, I'm just trying to tell you here today, but read the word of God and God will talk to your heart. Next thing you know, you're lifting your hands and saying, Jesus, I love you. I thank you. And you're talking to God. Praise the Lord. And pray and spend some time in prayer. I'm just saying here that these are the things that we have to be very careful that we do not lose because Satan will fight the family. And husbands, you got to fight to keep your family together. Wives, you got to fight to keep your family together. I'm serious. Don't let nothing, don't let nothing break that marriage because it's of God. And that's why Satan fights that. Praise the Lord. I won't go any further with it. I think you well know that. But it's something that Satan will fight. Uh, look at uh, three and one. Look at three and one here. Second Timothy, I'm sorry. Second Timothy three, one. The sin of iniquity is a sin of a, the sin of iniquity is a, is a uh, manifest in different ways. Look at three, one. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's when we are living. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemy. Notice this is sins of the spirit. Notice that. 
In the last days, men be lovers of their own selves, covetous. That means wanting. Covetousness is not just wanting something, but they want something somebody else has. Something else somebody else has. That's covetousness. It's a more intense thing. You say, oh, I, this guy's got a new car. He's whatever it is. I like, I like that. I think I'll go buy one. That's okay. He's got one. You like it. Go buy one. You say, I want his car. You know, I want his. That's the one I want. You know what? You see what I'm talking about? So covetousness is a little bit different than just wanting something. And it goes on to say boasters, proud, proud. That's why humility is exalted in the Bible. It's spoken of highly of and pride is spoken against because pride is that will of man being lifted up and he's being, he's exalting himself inside. And that's the spirit of the devil. That's that iniquity. That's what the devil had in him. He wanted to be somewhat. He wanted to be big, as big as God. He wanted to be nothing bigger than himself. It's that self will inside of us that wants to be lifted up and exalted. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. God will do everything right at the right time in the right way. Let me move on here. It goes on to say, blast, it says covetous, proud, boasted proud, blasphemers. No respect for God, swear, curse, and accuse God of everything in the world. Disobedient to parents. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says that Honor your mother and father is the first commandment in the Ten Commandments with promise. In fact, it says the first, first commandment with promise. Jesus said that. Honor your mother and father that your days may be long on the earth. That's the promise that goes with that commandment. So I'm just going to throw that out for what it's worth. Honor your parents. And the Bible here speaks of disobedient to parents. And I think that's speaking more of the youth. I don't I know. <laughs> well. They say that even when you're 50 years old, listen to your parents, right? <laughs> she says, you need some, you need some, what do you, what do you call it? Chicken noodle soup for that cold you got. Okay, mom, I'm going to cook some chicken noodle soup. I won't go any further. You know what I'm talking about. But here's the next line, verse three, without natural affection. That's homosexuality. That's one of the sins of the last days. Without, see, I'm reading the last day. Look at. Verse 3, 1, this know also that in the last days, parents' times have come. Verse 3, without natural affection, this is something that's beginning to really explode in America today. They're pushing it every direction, every way you can. It's in your face, whether you want it or not, it's, it's going to happen, it's going to come our way. The sin of homosexuality. Uh, I uh, just got through reading or seeing and someplace hearing about the uh, prince of, pardon me if I don't know names, but the prince of uh, England, the young prince that just got married not long ago to the girl that's from America here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You women, I know you know. Anyhow, she's expecting twins now, I understand. She's in the family way expecting twins. And uh, they have made the statement that they've taken the position of Fluid being fluid gender. Fluid gender. Do you know what that means? That means whatever the kids want to be, that's, that's what they are. We're not going to say, no, you're a boy, you're a girl. We're going to say, if you're a boy and you want to be a girl, go ahead, be a girl. It's your choice. It's not God's choice. It's not his right to decide whether I want to be a boy or girl. That's my choice. 
because it's my ego, it's my desire, it's what I want to be. And you know that's against nature. The Bible even says it here, without natural affection. And that's the spirit that's in the day, though, that we're in. And here is people who are on high positions, very influential, and they've announced now to the world that they have chosen the position of being fluid gender, fluid gender with their children when they come into the world. Now, I'm just telling you because this is the spirit of the day and the age, and it's almost like saying, God, you're not my boss. I'm my boss. I'm my own boss. I'll do what I want to. I'll do it anytime I want to, the way I want to. You know, you don't tell me, I tell, I tell you or anybody else. Look at, uh, let me move on down here in this same chapter. I'm chapter three here, Second Timothy. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, con- continent, fierce despisers of those that are good. This is the wickedness of our generation as well. Despiser of those that are good, where that when you try to live a good life, they despise you for it. And you'll find that. You'll, you'll sense that more and more as time goes along. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They want pleasure and a good time and all of that. Then verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, then it says from such turn away. So even they can have their own religions. They can have their own faith. They can have their own beliefs. I read not long ago that there was a church now that's a homosexual church. You know, they're a church. They're a Christian church. They're a homosexuals. You know, that's their faith. I mean, they believe that. If you're homosexual, you're welcome to join us. So it's a congregation of homosexuals that all are Christians. Well, that's what that's talking about. Former God, but denying the power thereof. And the Bible says, for such, turn away. Let me read you another verse of scripture. This is found in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Just two verses here. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, this is 4.1 of 1 Timothy, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So this is sort of giving us a little bit of a picture here of these things that are coming on the, in the last days and, and so forth. And uh, God ordained marriage. He ordained the church. But there are people who attack these things. When I was a young man, uh, my wife and I were a young couple, I should say, really. Uh, and when I was before I met her, I was thinking when I was going to school in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, at the University of Minnesota, there was a woman who visited there. And I can't remember her name. Forgive me if I don't. But years I remembered her name and I can't remember it now. But anyhow, she visited Minnesota, University of Minnesota, and she began to teach the students as a guest speaker that she had done a study in the Samoan Islands, and she found that the Samoan people who had not been taught morality were happier. Now, listen to me on this. They were happier people. Morality meaning you don't have to marry you can just sleep around. He sleeps with her, the next month he sleeps with her. She sleeps with him, and then she sleeps with him. You know what I'm talking about. And this loose living and stuff, just sleeping around on Samoan Islands. She went there and studied, and she had been a student under a professor who said that if you ever do deep research and study, this is what you will find. She went there, and she did this deep study and found 
that because in the Samoan islands, nobody had come there and said, you need to repent and be baptized and you, you know, and, and you're supposed to keep the 10 commandments, you know, no fornication, no adultery, uh, you know, no, no, uh, getting drunk and drugs and whatever, all that, everything. And so it wasn't taught. Therefore, they had no condemnation. They just, they just did all the wicked stuff they wanted to do. They get drunk and never work if they didn't want to and all that kind of stuff, lay around on the beach and just have a big glorious time. And they were happy and there was no condemnation about it. She came back now teaching at the University of Minnesota. Later when my wife and I were married and we were preaching around Indiana and we were, we were, we lived for a year in Lafayette where the pastor, uh, bought us an, uh, rented an apartment for us and we evangelized out from there. And sometimes, uh, in our evangelizing, it was weekend services. And, uh, she, my wife got a job working at Purdue University. And at Purdue University, she came there and she taught the very same thing. You know, very same thing. And then some more knowledge. She went around the university teaching this. And the young people began to hear that. And they thought, well, if we didn't have to try to line up to all the standards of the Bible and the morality standards, uh, you know, and just sleep with whoever wants to sleep is all right and not even plan on getting married. And it was an attack on the marriage. You understand what I'm saying? This woman went on teaching that, spreading that stuff around, died. Later, a young man went to the Samoan Islands to follow up and to see how things were progressing years later. And he came back and said, she lied. The Samoan Islands, they are getting the highest rates of suicide among the young people. They could not live with that lifestyle. They were miserable. They were unhappy. They were everything. And, and he painted a totally different picture. And they said, what about the woman that went there and did that study? He said, she lied. And they said, why would she lie? And he said, because she has spent so much time studying it, she wanted to believe it. And therefore she came back and said it was when it wasn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? And folks, that's what's happening in the world today. People are wanting to believe something. They're wanting to believe it so bad. And they're saying scientists say this, scientists say that. And they're not always right. And they're not always correct on those things. Let me just, let me point out one for you. You all are familiar with this. The theory of evolution. Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin, British naturalist. Who went to uh, the islands uh, uh, and, and he studied and wrote a book here. It's, uh, he wrote a book on the origin of species by natural selection. And uh, he's the one that wrote it in, in 1859. And he presented this theory of evolution that everything evolves from something else. Now listen to me closely on this. Because this is what's affecting a lot of our world today. In other words, there was, it started out with water. Just plain water. And then out of the water came a little one-celled creature, amoeba or protozoa, you know. And, and they'd swim around and then they'd pop open and make two of them pop open. And things, the next thing you know, because of their struggle to try to get it higher, they would become a higher species. And eventually it became a tadpole, eventually a frog gave them the tadpole. They, it still does, you know that. 
And then from the frog, they became a turtle. And then a turtle, it was a, it was a rabbit. And then from a rabbit, it was a, it was a goat. And then, you know, it evolved right on up until finally it evolved into be a human being. And it was, a, it was like a, uh, it was like a gorilla or a, a monkey or some type. And then that evolved into the human being. And this is the theory of evolution. And he got all that by going to the, uh, the Galapagos Islands, which is off the coast of uh, Chile, I think it is, uh, Ecuador it is, South America and the Pacific Ocean. And he studied this for a while and came back with this. Years later, years later, this is true, Charles Darwin denounced a lot of his claim of evolution. But you never saw that in the print. The world jumped onto that one and said, oh, yeah, there's evolution. And it's developed over a period of millions and millions of years. It all just evolved. And when you accept that belief, you deny the word of God. Jesus said in the beginning, there was male and female. The Lord made man and woman. He, that's what Jesus said. If you don't want to believe the Bible, believe the words of Jesus. Because Jesus believed the Bible. He believed, he believed that Genesis. He believed in all of it. He believed everything that was written in that Old Testament. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that this theory of evolution here has us all believing, if you adopt to that, that we all evolved. So when new ideas or new thoughts or new concepts pops into people's minds, they think maybe I'm evolving here. Maybe this is an evolving process that we are experiencing here as the human race. And I'm just telling you here because this is all things that are beginning to happen in the world today. And they think that maybe this uh, homosexuality and fluid gender is a new concept. And we're evolving into a higher, you know, a higher level than what we have been before. And it means don't listen to the old people. Don't listen to the seniors. You know, I don't mean the old. I'm talking about the seniors. Don't listen to older people. If you're 20 years old and you got an idea, it's probably more advanced than what your 40 year old, my dad used to tell me, how old are you? So I said, 20. He said, I'm 40. He said, I'm twice as old as you are. And therefore I'm twice as smart as you are. And if it's ever three times as much, he said, I'm three times as smart. Just remember that I'm three times older and I'm three times smarter than you are. So listen to what I got to say. Praise the Lord. He had his way of saying things. So I'm just pointing out to you here that this is the day and age and time in which we're living in which a lot of things here have developed. And this is the uh, thing that we've got coming. We have this, let me show you something in the scriptures. And, and evolution is totally wrong. When you read the Bible, it's, it's out of whack. Uh, let me just mention this to you, for instance, uh, the ice age, the coming ice age. How many of you have heard that? You know, the earth is getting warmer, 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 but it's going to bring forth the, the ice age. And there is a, the green, green theory, whatever it is, where that we got to start changing everything now. Young people speaking, we got to change everything. This is a new approach, everything, because we are destroying the earth. We are destroying the earth. Let me show you something in the Bible. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 8. The last verse in Genesis. I'll come back to some other things here in a minute. Look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. And if you've got your Bible and a pen, put a ring around this verse. This is what Noah and his 
three sons and their wives came out of the ark and offered sacrifices unto God. And God put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'll never destroy the earth by water again. And when you see a rainbow, remember that. That's God's covenant that he made with the human race. Every time you see it, he's not going to destroy the earth by water anymore. That's his covenant. That's his promise. Now, if you don't believe God and you don't believe that, go ahead and worry about, you know, you know, the world being flooded again, and all that kind of stuff. You want to go ahead. But as far as I'm concerned, when God said it, I believe it because that's what faith is all about is believing the word of God. Now, here's what it says here. <coughs> in chapter eight of Genesis, verse 22, this is the last verse in that chapter. While the earth remaineth, now look at this closely, folks, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Everybody see that? As long as the earth remains. As far as I know, the earth is still remaining. And people are still farming. And it still gets cold in the wintertime, still gets hot in the summertime. It still has, I see the sun come up in the morning, I see it go down in the evening. Night comes on. You know, I'm just trying to tell you here that in thousands of years, this hasn't changed. And now all of a sudden, we got to start getting word about the ice age and word about this and word about that and word about such and such. I mean, there's people wanting to get rid of all the cows because they pass gas. Can you believe that? Uh, How many of you know that? I mean, I'm not saying anything. I see a few hands out there. I'm serious. Because cattle, you know, pass gas is is destroying the the atmosphere some way, affecting it. Cars, you know, with their smog, they're creating effects and so forth. They say that in 1997, it reached the max. It has decreased since 1997, not gotten worse. They have proof of that since 1997. Man, that's been 22 years ago, and it's been decreasing ever since then. What I'm trying to point out to you here is that we can get all caught up in all of this new concept. Some, some uh, this young, this new lady that's out of Minnesota, this new, new representative now. I think she's been a representative now, what, for a month or two months? She's already wanting to change all America over. She wants to get rid of all the planes. Quit flying planes. They ruin the atmosphere. We need to go back to trains. <laughs> You're right. Not the smoking kind, the electric trains, you know. You do electric. She, I mean, she's got all kind of wild ideas about how to, she wants to change all the electrical system in the buildings and, and skyscrapers. New York, Chicago, L.A., you name it, any big city. They got them all over America. She wants to change all that. They say to do what she wants to do, it costs something like $93 trillion, trillion. $93 trillion. I can remember in my lifetime when the American debt reached $1 trillion and insurance companies gave us a lecture. I was in the insurance business then. They gave us lectures on how serious that was. And if you stacked $100 bills end to end, and it could go clear to the moon and back and still not have a trillion dollars lined up. Something like that. I mean, it's a, that's $1 trillion. Now we're in debt now $19 trillion, you know. And now she's talking about going in debt. It's all right because there's people that's got a lot of money, you know. They can pull their money out. 
I'm not, I'm not getting into politics here. I'm just trying to say here, this whole concept about the earth is going to be destroyed if we don't do something about it. Folks, I'm telling you here, God has got his hand on everything. And as far as these things, if you're a farmer, keep on farming. Praise the Lord. If you're a worker, just keep on working. Hallelujah. Keep on doing what you have to do. But I'm just trying to say here that all this stuff built on this theory of evolution. Things are changing, changing, changing. And that we've got to develop new concepts and new ideas about all these kind of things. And this is, these are things that are coming on the earth that we're living in today. And uh, there's a coming new ice age. There, the earth is getting is getting warmer than some people say, no, it's getting colder and all those kind of things. And the Lord said here that it will not change. Let me give you another verse for that. I'm reading here from uh, Psalms uh, 119, uh, 90. Thy faithfulness is, as all, is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. Abide means it stays like it is. They continue this day according to thine ordinances for all are thy servants. Praise the Lord. And the Lord is saying here, just stay faithful. Remember this, I've said everything in order. The Bible says in Matthew, two or three witnesses, let every word, uh, every word, praise the Lord, be spoken. I'm reading here in uh, Psalms 104 and 9, 104 and 9. Thou hast set a bound that, that is a boundary that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. It's talking about water. He refers to it back in verse 6. Thou coverest it with the, deep, with the deep as with a garment. In other words, he's talking about the flood now that covered the earth. And some people don't want to believe there was ever a flood. It, it's in the Bible. Well, we don't care. We don't believe the Bible. Uh, it says the water stood above the mountains. Water stood above the mountains. It says it right there. So when they say that there was a flood and it covered all the earth, the Bible even says here it stood above the mountains. I mean, that's how deep it was because the waters in the ground came up. It wasn't just rain. The rain came down and the floods in the ground came up so that all the waters in the ground came up on the surface of the ground. God did all that. And he flooded the earth and he covered it all. He said, it'll never happen again because I won't let it happen. I've set the bounds. So trust it, go ahead. You know, live your life, grow, raise your families, grow your crops, you know, just live in everything. And the Lord is letting us know that in these last days here, there is a spirit in the world and the day in which we're living in which is trying to tell us today that we need to get away from the Bible. It's the word of God. And the devil will attack the Bible. And this is the spirit of iniquity that's working in our last days that we're in today. There's a lot of verses that I never talked to you about, never never mentioned to you here, but these things are prevailing in the world. And uh, the Lord wants us to know that. Uh, listen to this. This is found in second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine. It says, even him who's coming is after the work of Satan speaking to the antichrist with all power and signs and lying wonders. This is what will happen in the last days. Verse 10 and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in unrighteousness in them that perish. And the deceivableness, in other words, things that will deceive people. And deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
So the gospel is going forth, but there will be those who will reject the gospel. They'll turn it down. They'll turn it away. I believe in these last days, there's going to be a lot of backsliders that will come back to the Lord. I do believe that. I do believe that because they will begin to see the handwriting on the wall and they'll say, you know, if there's ever been a chance, time that I need to get right, right, I need to get right now. Uh, if you've got loved ones that's not saved, reach out to them. And try to help them to find the Lord. But it, a lot of people just reject God. They reject the word. They say, oh, I believe in evolution. I believe things are going to evolve. And we need to save the world. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to be involved and so forth. And these people lie. I got other stories I could tell you about people who studied certain things, scientists, and then they come away and they say, this is the way it was. And when they look at it closer, it wasn't that way at all. I can, I don't have the time now. My time's run out. Let me finish reading this verse of scripture to you here. Uh, I'm reading here in second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 11 now. And for this cause, this is those that will love, love not the truth that they might be saved. It says, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they may believe a lie, that they might all, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And folks, that's the spirit of our day and age. I say that to us here today because God wants us all to be saved. And when you see all these things transpiring, just say, Lord, thank you for truth. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the church. Thank you for our pastor. God bless our pastor. I know he's my son, but he's, a good, he's still my favorite preacher, you know. Amen. And thank God for all of you good people. This is the greatest church in the world. I mean, I'm not just partial. I, you really are. You're good people and you help each other. You look after each other. You're always trying to do for others. And uh, you're just great people. Keep on doing what you're doing. And one day we'll hear the trumpet sound. The Lord's coming back for his church. And we'll rise and meet him there. Let's stand together and give God the praise and the glory. And thank him right now for his good church.